0: Hey, everybody. I'm Hunter Moles and back with another episode of the Breaking Boundaries podcast by Barbell Apparel. Today, I have the pleasure of sitting down with Matt Benedetto. He's been a longtime colleague of ours. Um, he's been wearing Barbell Apparel. We've been connected with him through a number of years, been to some of his NASCAR races. He's an all-around great guy, man of faith, family man, athlete. And we actually had this conversation once before, but it got lost in the cloud. And so I'm excited to sit down with him again and give you guys a look kind of into his life, into the demands it takes to be a car driver at a high level. Um, he he raced NASCAR for a number of years and he's doing the truck series now. And um, from our prior conversation, I kind of already know this, but we'll let him explain it a bit more in depth. It's a lot more physically demanding than most people would think. And it truly is an athletic uh, form of performance and matt's kind of unique in his own way too he takes his athletic training both for racing and fitness weightlifting all of that pretty seriously which is part of the reason we got connected through barbell apparel and uh no i'm excited to have the conversation and thanks for sitting down today matt
1: yeah man absolutely thanks for for having me yeah uh, we get round two we get to uh, yeah. <laughs> two takes <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it's fun. I mean, we had the conversation once before and, and I think that like it's been long enough now to where some of that's probably escaped my mind and, um, we could have a little bit of the old and a little bit of new. So, um, for people that don't know, uh, why don't you give a little bit of background about how you got into racing and let's talk a little bit about kind of like the long odds of, of even just kind of the, remote chance that someone whose family didn't have a history in racing, who wasn't connected to NASCAR, who didn't have like piles of money, would be able to get into racing, come up as a kid, and actually race the NASCAR Cup Series?
1: Yeah, man, none of my family uh, was involved in, in NASCAR or racing really at all. My dad liked cars and, you know, had a drag car once and stuff, but nothing, nothing much. So ultimately when I was five years old, um, I had a four-wheeler, and a dirt bike. And that's all I did every day was just ride and tear up our beautiful property and made it into a dirt track. (laughs) So that's, uh, and then, you know, my dad was actually big into baseball. And so that was his passion. And he was a coach for the scouting league for the Mets at a time. And he was uh, my little league coach back then. And So at one of our um, little award ceremony deals, he brought me up and said, this is my, he called me his little Jeff Gordon. He said he likes baseball, but loves racing. And um, you know, when I was five years old, my dad, uh, my parents were in the living room and my dad passed by NASCAR and I made him go back to it. And he's like, what the heck do you wanna watch that for? And I made him go back to it and watch it every single week. I watched NASCAR every week, rode four wheelers and dirt bikes, and then fast forward to at our uh, little baseball award ceremony thing. Uh, When I was only six years old, um, one of the kids on the team, they happened to race at a local dirt track called Cycleland Speedway out in Chico, California. And when they heard that I loved racing, they were like, hey, come check it out. We race out there every weekend. And so I went out there and checked it out. And my parents asked me uh, if that was something I wanted to do. And obviously the the obvious answer is right here. (laughs)
0: Yeah, what a like what a cool opportunity. I mean, A, both to have discovered something that you had a passion about so young, right? Like I think that's kind of like a key line I see with a lot of people that reach high levels of performance in whatever given sport is that they tend to connect with something at a really young age and realize that that's like something that gets them really excited and that they love doing. But then also to have parents that were supportive of it, right? Because like I'm sure a lot of parents would have been like, you're not nervous, Like that's not, we don't have the resources or it seems complicated or we don't even know how to do it. But your parents uh seemed pretty gung ho about letting you do it. Um, and I know that, you know, um, again from our prior conversation, that as you grew up and got really serious about it, that it did take like moving and some pretty serious significant sacrifices on their part to give you the uh, opportunity you, you had to turn it into a real
1: career. Yeah, so that's we that's the crazy part is we had no idea what we were up against and what kind of journey we were tackling when it got taken to a more uh, a more serious level. So it started just for fun. So I started racing and we started winning and we ended up winning championships, you know, right right away and having all the success, but really for us it was just a family thing. We were just doing it for fun. Um we had no intentions of really much else. It was actually other people that we raced against and were out there that were saying, you know, hey, that's really good. You guys need to pursue this, and telling us to pursue this as a career, and really, my family is like, "Oh, well, I guess I don't know." And so it was really from push from from other people. I mean, they knew they knew I was good at good at driving in circles, but it's, that's a lot to try and tackle something. Um, you know, everybody has the dream of being an NASCAR driver or a, whether a football player or a pro golfer or whatever it is. But man, you know, to do anything at the professional level, it's it's just. You know, unbelievable what it, what it takes and the time, the effort, um, some t- the funds, whatever it may be to get there. So we moved across country because we knew North Carolina is NASCAR country. And so we uh, picked up, moved across country, started racing asphalt stuff out here. And man, it was a long journey. And, and the very, very short summary of it is, you know, we my parents have done well for themselves, you know, made a good living, but not near to the degree of, you know, having uh, like millions of dollars or seven figures to write checks and kind of pave the way and and racing is an expensive sport so we were racing locally um, but it got a little bit beyond our means to where we were too stretched financially and then uh, we had to take a step back and, and really actually quit in 2007 and from then on um, I was just kind of on my own and man through an immense amount of, I mean, God really paving the way <laughs> and making so many opportunities. And if I wasn't in this place at this time, you know, on so many different occasions, I still wouldn't be where I'm at today and got just so fortunate and blessed along the way to, to really, um, accomplish something with, with all the odds stacked against me because, uh, I didn't have that funding behind me. Um, I didn't have, you know, major sponsorship behind me and things. And that's, you know, ultimately, um, where now, obviously, I got so fortunate and got my opportunity to race. Uh, I I became a development driver for Joe Gibbs Racing, so I'll summarize this a little bit. Became a development driver for Joe Gibbs Racing. That opportunity got cut short because it was when the economy sort of went downhill in 2008, 2009. Um, And after 2010, uh, I only got to run a few limited races. My opportunity got cut cut really short there. And I had to take some opportunities from then on with lower-funded, small teams and just try and make a lot out of a little. And we did that often and they progressed me along into where uh, ultimately I got to run, starting the Cup Series in 2015, ran in the Cup Series from 2015 until uh, 2021. And that, you know, through a course of a lot of escalation just really, you know, made my career and got me on the map in in NASCAR to a further level and really established me to where I've, you know, been around, I feel like a long time Um, at this point, it's all flown by. Like it's been, you know, one year, but I've been doing it for a while now. And so kind of where I was getting at is the interesting thing that I didn't expect is that NASCAR um, and this whole journey really helped me on a business front to get sort of my business mind um, together. and, And because understanding how the sport works, it does, you know, cost a lot. It's expensive. It costs, you know, our truck team. It costs, you know, $3 million to to run for a year, or if you're talking the cup series, we're talking, you know, $20 million. (laughs) So it's a lot of money that it takes to make these things go around and all the employees we have, all the engineers and all the, just like an NFL team or anything, you know, it's a, it's a lot uh, behind Mm -hmm. the scenes that makes it happen. But, um, ultimately we, uh, we're nothing without the partners, um, that, that join on board and come on board and get into the sport. And it's neat how, um, how the sports evolved over the years to where all the, um, everybody really works together as one big family in NASCAR. So whenever we have a partner that comes into the sport, they, you know, and, and I'm very fortunate to have the platform that I have and, and knowing everybody in the sport, we can really, you know, integrate people into a whole realm of people, connections, companies, and all otherwise that they you know, may not have access to. So um, it's kind of been wonderful on a business front. And then also getting to do what I love is, which is driving in circles for a living. I have a pretty cool job.
0: <laughs> yeah definitely uh and i think that the so for people that don't know like how many you know you raced the the cup series for what seven years um yeah i
1: think how was it 2015 to 2021
0: yep yeah and so like the the cup series for again people that may not watch nascar is like the nascar you think of in your head when you think of nascar right like the big circle track with you know hundreds of thousands of people in the crowd you know jeff Gordon, everything that's the cup series and so like It's like you mentioned, like $20 million a year to run a cup, like probably a cheaper cup series team, right? Like I'm sure the more expensive ones are way more than that. Um, how many people make it to the cup series and race it with basically like no massive amount of money or no background in racing from the, from a family perspective or something like that? Man, uh,
1: without one or the other, I I feel like. I feel like I should, uh, it, it was kind of like winning the lottery two times in a row. It's <laughs> how fortunate yeah. I feel to have gotten to where I, you know, I have been with, uh, with the odds stacked against me for sure. So, um, yeah, I mean, ultimately you really, you know, need to have some, some sort of funding behind you, some sponsorship or, you know, some partnerships or whatever it may be. Um, on top of obviously having the driving uh, ability as well. Sometimes there's, you know, sometimes there's many, there's many race car drivers out there that have so, so much talent, um, but they may not get the opportunity. You know, they may not get to show their the opportunity or they can only run at a really local level at a you know real low budget because they may not have the means. And, you know, family may not have the means to get them just to that step where they need or whatever it is. So that's the tough part um, about racing, but it's, uh, man, it's, it's, I think, the tide is turning a little bit on that. And they're really, um, you know, the sport has just become more and more and more of a big family. And now it's cool because local racing is growing more than I've ever seen it um, in my entire life. Like many NASCAR drivers are getting really heavily behind local racing, like Hickory motor speedways, a racetrack, six minutes from my house. I'm sitting in right now and it's a very historic legendary short track where Dale Earnhardt drove at and Dale Jarrett and a bunch of famous guys The people that, may not even know much about NASCAR, heard their names. Um, and so now NASCAR is getting really behind that local, more local level. Um, and they're also scouting, like dirt racing is growing a bunch, and they're kind of scouting out up and coming guys at more local levels. So it is sort of to, to combat kind of some of the, maybe the, I don't want to say bad news, but the toughness uh, nature of the sport. Uh, there are so many efforts now by the sport to to sort of change that around and for more and more people to have opportunities now.
0: Yeah, no, that, that, it's awesome to see that happening. And I'm sure like now, right? You, you know, you're uh, just a few years younger than me, I suppose, but like we grew up right kind of like on the cusp of the development, the development of like YouTube, social media, things like that, that made being able to attract an audience or attract support or attract sponsors. Like it it made, it's like easier now than it was before Mm -hmm. because you have all these tools to kind of like get yourself out there. Um, like, right? Like if we had tried to start Barbell Apparel in the pre social media era, it would have been. I don't want to say impossible, but it would have been much harder, right? We would have had to go out and find people like investors to write us money, but we did it ourselves, um, with like a, you know, an idea and a prayer and we just kind of, you know, winged it and it made it happen and it worked out. Um, but it's kind of like you, like it's basically like we won the lottery twice to, to make it happen the way we did. But these days, like I know other people that have started businesses or other, it, like, you know, become music artists or athletes or things like that. And they have been able to leverage, um, like a social media presence or, other kind of like elbow grease type stuff like that to make themselves known, and it opened up those doors. Like I think I, like, you know, something about your story that I don't want to be glossed over is the fact that it like it wasn't easy for you. You've been doing this since you were a kid. You had a lot of setbacks, like a lot of them, and it'll probably a lot of times when you're like, "This isn't working out," and just now have a normal job or whatever. Um, but you made the most of every little opportunity you had and kind of kept going back and back and back until the doors opened up and you were able to, you know, race the cup series. And even when the, you know, your time in the cup series ended, you pivoted to the truck series. And like, it's always, you're always making the most of the opportunity in front of you. And that's another thing that shouldn't be lost is that it's like, it rarely is the, is the line completely straight. You know what I mean? Like that's not kind of how it goes. Like all you can do is make sure that you do work hard and um, take advantage of every opportunity you have and don't, don't don't slack and don't think of yourself like above any given opportunity and really just continue to show up and work hard and if that's what you do things tend to have a way of working out like sometimes i sit back and it's fascinating to me like the barbell peril as a business is i want to say like pretty healthy and stable now right like the COVID era kind of had its ups and downs and really some unpleasant surprises um but before that it was it was relatively stable too but like the like, there was years when we started the business in 2014. Years and years went by where every year we're like, I think we're going to go out of business this year. Like I just don't. It's too hard, right? We did, we didn't have any money except the money we made. And, um People not might not realize it, but like in a physical goods business, like margins can get very tight, right? You have to really play a very uh, difficult game of balancing cash flow and making sure that you're profitable. And we were trying to grow the business with the money that we made and buy more inventory and buy more advertising and all this stuff. And it just got like down to the razor's edge for years at a time. But because we just made the most of every chance we had, it it was like something would always happen. It would always work out and it's continued to work out. And now we're like, you know, coming up on 10 years of starting a business and in many ways there was a lot of luck but also if you've been lucky for 10 years was it luck you know what i mean kind of similar to you right and um so it's just interesting that you know that when i have conversations with you or other business owners or other athletes that commonality tends to be there in almost every case like it's a combination of a lot of hard work and what people would call luck but the hard work is the progenitor
1: of the luck you know yep man exactly it's it's you know and. And I'm thankful that I yeah, was so fortunate beyond what I can even comprehend so many times, you know, being where we are, just like you guys with all the hard work and starting a business, you know, all these things are relative. It's all relative. It's everyone has struggles in whatever journey uh, that they're on. And it's never a, an easy, you know, paved out path. Life itself uh, in this world is not easy, but um, but, you know, what I, what I've, especially in my, you know, later years here and my kind of walk with the Lord and had a lot of life change. It's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm so thankful and appreciative for, for the things I do and thankful for, um, uh, the struggles and the the journey along the way, kind of humbling me and getting me to be in the spot where I'm at now and to appreciate things more. Um, but ultimately, you know, like in, in life in general, the, the plans that plans that the, uh, that, you know, God has for us is not to, do something that we just don't like or go and do a job nine to five every day that we just can't stand or we're miserable at. There's more, there's more to it than that. And so, uh, so oftentimes through the, uh, through the pain is, is uh, what nets uh, the best results and biggest blessings on the other side.
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, I think that, Uh, The the other commonality I see in having conversations with high-level individuals, athletes, et cetera, is that they're always striving for being the best they can be in the situation they're in and always, in a sense, striving for more. It's like, you know, it's rare. Like, I have a lot of contentedness in my life in the form of my family and my children and things like that. But when it comes to, like, work and the business and my fitness and my hobbies – like I'm, I always want more, you know what I mean? Like I always want to be better, achieve more, reach another level. And it's like, there's no contentedness to be had there. I'm proud of what I've achieved and like, I'm happy that it's there, but it's like, I wake up every day and I'm hungry to do more with it. You know what I mean? I'm never just kind of like complacent. Like, no, this is fine. Um, Like that contentedness comes from other areas of my life, but there's this, this kind of like pocket of my life where I just have to, I have like this insatiable drive to do something more, you know what I mean? I have to do it.
1: Yeah, it's like, it's like working out. It reminds me of yeah. when I, uh, you know, when I started and I was a kid and I was in high school and I lift weights and I'm like, man, I want to be able to bench, just have, you know, a plate on each side, have one of them 45s on each side, you know, and then you do that or, and then you're like, then you get there and you're proud and you're like, all right, cool. Now what's next? All right. Now I want to get to 185. And then I, I really need to be able to bench with two plates on it, or I need to, you know, I want to squat or <laughs> I know I had a deadlift goal of, you know uh, i wanted to be able to pull like 400 pounds and with being smart i'm very cautious in, in what i do for workout stuff for obvious reasons i mean my body would be you know intact and can't risk injury and whatnot but either way i remember that i when i got to that and i'm like oh well, i can do more than that and then you pull like four i pulled like 440 uh solidly and easily over COVID and stuff and it's like and sometimes we have to reflect on the big picture of like man Think of that, that kid that if just a matter of years ago, if I'd be like, oh, yeah, man, one day you'll be able to lift this amount of weight or do this or hit these goals, you'd be super pumped. So, yeah, like you said, you're always always wanting more, but appreciative on the path along the way and proud of the uh, success and thankful for any of the success uh, along the way, no matter what it is, whether it's racing or working out or any kind of life goals in general.
0: Yeah. Now, it's funny that you bring up the example of the weightlifting and the, and the deadlifting and stuff like I mean, A, like you're a bit, you probably unique in the racing world that you do take weightlifting pretty seriously. Like I guess not a lot. Of, I mean, I'm sure there's other racers that lift as a hobby, but it's not like a staple of the training or anything. Um, so it's, it's cool that you have that component. Uh, and I'm sure it does like provide benefit. Like you said, as long as you don't get injured, your body's more resilient, it's more sturdy, it's more stable. Um, again, we could talk more about it in a second, but like a lot of people probably don't realize that like a lot of these races, especially when you did the cup series and even still in the truck series, It's like a pretty grueling, like endurance based endeavor. Like you're doing it for hours at a time. It's freaking smoking hot. You have to be laser focused the entire time. Like it's not like a walk in the park at all. And it is in many respects very athletic, right? Um, but back to the weightlifting thing. It's like the reason I like weightlifting so much and like it's become more clear as I've gotten older and learned these life lessons and done other things, but it's like, it's like a perfect allegory. For how progress is achieved in almost anywhere in life, right? Because it's like if you want, if you could, if you were like an untrained kid, you're like, I want to deadlift five hundred pounds. The only way to get there is like two and a half pound increments at a time. And like maybe when you first start, you can make bigger jumps because you're making all those like you know um, beginner gains and stuff. But everyone hits a wall eventually where those easy gains stop, and now it's like, all right, you know, I'm gonna do three hundred pounds, then three hundred and five pounds, then maybe th- I have to go to three hundred and seven pounds, and then all the way up. It's like step by step by step by step. And whether it's, like, racing or any other sport, I'm sure it's, like, you have to break it down to a lot of that kind of minutia to see where you can squeak out the progress and, and like, where the bottlenecks are in your ability and where you can make those gains.
1: Dude, it's crazy, like, how how much – I feel like I talk about it a lot of how much weightlifting or exercise or whatever it is, you know, that people may have their passion in and um, in exercise – but how much, how many life lessons come from it and how much it applies to all of life, how much it applies to my racing, just the focus, the dedication, the structure, you know, of it, um, pushing through some of the hard work and the pain and where it nets better results on the other side It all is super relative. I could even apply it, uh, you know, into my, to my spiritual journey as well. It's all facets of life. Um, it, it's so much more important than just, you know, like i want to be strong and i want to look good. You know, it's it's our health that's chipping away at, you know, cuz the i guess the second law of thermodynamics is that basically i'm paraphrasing here but pretty much everything decays if left, you know, unattended like a house that's left sitting for, you know, 10 years or 50 years or whatever over time it's just going to deteriorate and Kind of, you know, our temporary bodies that we're in are the same way and they require structure and it requires discipline and it requires that chipping away, whether it's in our mind, whether it's in our, you know, in our workouts, our physical fitness, all that, it requires that discipline, that structure, chipping away to always try and push back against that and, you know, take control of our health and those those types of things in life. So it really, I never would have thought that years ago, I was just a gung-ho kid that just wanted to lift weights and I just wanted to be bigger and put on some muscle and things like that. I would have never realized <laughs> until now how many life lessons that working out has taught me and how much it applies um, and has helped me in my life in general because that discipline and stuff and that like slow progression of chipping away and continuing to be, you know, persistent at it and not giving up, not quitting, not letting it, you know, be something that's broke and gets rid out of your life. Um how much it, it really, you know, is so big in your mental health and all facets of life for, for me, it's it's, you know, very uh disciplinary and, and important to me.
0: Yeah, no, it's kind of like weightlifting is kind of like a great equalizer in the sense that it'll teach everyone that lesson eventually, right? Like some people are, you know, freaks, they're like super talented, and they could just like get crazy strong and big with just like, you know, you know, piss and vinegar for a long time. But everyone hits that wall eventually, like maybe for me it was at 400 pounds, and for you it was at 450. And for another guy, he might not hit that wall until like 550 or 600 pounds. Because everyone's got their own advantages, but like everyone will hit that wall eventually, yep. and then some people kind of give up and quit when they when they get to that point because either they don't have the uh, they don't like that that kind of component of having to progress, or they don't have the resources or the knowledge to help kind like, of guide them through it. And then some people, like I think the more productive side of it is that a lot of people hit that and they thrive. They're like, all right, like I know what has to be done now, right? It's like I got to really dial it down and figure out like where I can where I can dial everything in to continue to to make. Performance gains, get stronger, get bigger, whatever it is. Um, and again, like you can break that lesson down into everything that's not weightlifting too, whether it's your work or your, you know, um, other hobbies or athletic endeavors or whatever. It kind of applies across the board. I suppose like in, in that vein, like do you find, did you find, right? Like as you, you were racing for so long that I'm sure that a lot of the progress kind of happened in the background, right? Like just by nature of getting older, growing up, racing the whole time. But did you ever find there was kind of like a, like a, an inflection point where you had to really step back and figure out where the bottlenecks were in your racing ability or in something that was kind of like holding you back to work past it?
1: Uh, yeah, you know, um, I've had a lot of a lot of success along the way, but I've always, I've also had a lot of um, heartbreaks, you know, in my career and, and along the way, and I would say in general, the, probably the most humbling times of my life ended up being the biggest blessings of my life because they, uh, they, they really got me to, and to look more inward versus looking outward. Um, so I've had many of them like I, right now I'm racing in the truck series. I was in the cup series all those years. And when you're in the cup series, you know, you just, people treat you like you're you know, like you're some big celebrity and you're like, you you just have all this attention and all this glamor and all this stuff that comes with racing in the big series and, and doing that at a professional level that sometimes, um, sometimes it's easy to fall into the trap of forgetting to, to turn the mirror around on ourselves and always look inward at how we can be better, you know, and and it's really easy for um, self pride to to sneak into the mix and, and try and, you know, sometimes think we're better than we are because, uh, ultimately the second that we, the second we start thinking, we know it all, or man, I'm good, or I can beat these guys on any day or whatever is, there's this balance between having confidence, but also that humility. Um, and, and through a lot of, I mean, many heartbreaks, like finishing second at Bristol for me, when we had that thing in the bag, or, um, now, you know, racing in the truck series, going from truck or cup down to the truck series. Uh, some of those humbling things actually ended up, you know, being, being major blessings because it helps. Um, and, and Mike, just speaking of myself, at least it's really helped me to um, focus inward on how not, not outward on not, not on everybody, what everybody else is doing. Um, not on other people's problems or strengths or weaknesses, just solely flipping the mirror around on only to myself being like, all right, how can I be better? How can I be better at what do I, you know, at what I do for a living? How can, Um, you know, what do I need to be listening to what's life trying to speak to me for me to be better at my job and kind of that, uh, answering your question in a bit of a long winded answer that, yeah, there's so many bumps and bruises along the way. And so many humbling times, any athlete, anybody, even in work, it doesn't matter. It's all applicable just in life and whatever we do, um, that uh, humility has been probably my, my saving grace is trying to focus on that focus inward, um, on how to how to just be better uh, each and every day at what we do for a living and, and give it our all because the second that we don't do that it's just like the same I can go back to it all the time it's just like the gym the second you start slacking in the gym you start losing some gains and losing progress and it's the same same type of mentality toward racing the second we start you know, I, I start going, I don't need to study that much for this week. And I've been to this racetrack, you know, 15 times, whatever, you know, that, nope, you already lost the second you start, you start trying to yeah. convince yourself of something like that. That's not true. Yeah, for
0: sure. Like, yeah, uh, you know, pride coming before the fall. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and it does, like, I know that I, I did powerlifting for a number of years um, and, you know, got at least for me pretty strong. And that strength stuck with me for a long time, even after I stopped powerlifting and I transitioned into other sports and really like the sports I do now, I just, I, I weightlift a little bit for like maintenance and stuff, but I don't powerlift at all anymore. Uh, I probably like weightlift three times a week and then do like actual sports specific training, um, the other like four days and some on the, the weightlifting days too. But I know like, um, I was having like some issues with my, you know, with, uh, like my posterior chain feeling just like kind of weak. I was like, I should incorporate deadlifting again. And it's like, I was like, I used to deadlift, I don't know, 600 pounds. So I was like, I'll just warm up, see where I go. And like, I started like, you know, just plates felt easy, added another set of plates, easy, 225, easy, uh, 305, easy. And I just, I just kept doing it and it all felt easy. And I, I got to like, um, like cracked 400 pounds and I was like, that's probably good. Like I should stop there so I don't hurt myself. And, um, <laughs> I, and I, I know better than them to do this kind of stuff, right? I really do. Like, And whatever. So I went through the rest of my workout, felt fine. And then, like, I woke up the next day and I could barely get out of bed. Like, my body was just, like, crippled because, like, all the little stabilizer muscles that allowed me to do that kind of, like, weight pulling normally safely and stuff were, were completely atrophied. Didn't remember how to do it. But the issue is, like, my brain remembered how to do it. The big muscles remembered how to do it. So like, yeah. I gained the weight off the floor and it didn't feel that bad. But, like, all the little fundamental stuff that you build by being in the repetitive habit, doing it, actually pursuing the training, warming you know what I mean? Like, that was all gone. And, like, I was, you know, dumb and didn't really think that I, you know, it felt easy enough that I was like, I'm probably fine. I'm well below like my, my prior like records and max and stuff, but it's still, I didn't do it the right way. And I paid the price and was injured for like three weeks. And I went to my physical therapist and explained to him what I did. And he's like, why did you do that, dude? Like you're way smarter <laughs> than to do that. It's like, it, it's like, if, it, in, cause in retrospect, what I should have done is if I wanted to start deadlifting again, I should have just like limited myself and like, all right, I'm going to start at like, like p- probably warm up to like 225. That would have been fine. And then been like hard cap. I'm not going to add more than you know, 15, 20 pounds a week period. And I still would have been back up to 400 pounds in like a month or two. And it would have been fine. And I wouldn't have been injured for a month instead. You know what I mean? And so it's like just being prideful and not doing things the right way can really bite you. If you um, don't put the uh, discipline forth to to do stuff, how you know you need to do it.
1: Yep. That's, that's the hardest, hardest thing for especially us men. We're, uh, we're not good at a couple of things. One is, displaying emotion or uh being vulnerable or in my case definitely swallowing pride (laughs) and chipping away at things we uh we just often are are guilty just i think as as men in general oftentimes of just wanting to cut right to the the end goal or being like i know how to do this i got this and then we're like ah shoot a crap i paid the penalty (laughs) now yeah
0: or it's kind of like, you know, you have to be mindful of your body and injuries because, right, you use your body for a living. And if you're sitting there with like a herniated disc in the truck, like that's not going to be great for your race performance. So I'm sure like sometimes you, you might even know in the gym, like I, I can do this, but maybe I shouldn't do this. Right. And that's the other hard thing. Like, like you said, as a man or whatever, um, is like, it's hard to know that you can do something and then choose not to do it because it's not the smart thing to do. Right? Or it's not the, it's not the beneficial thing to do for your training. It kind of like plays in that pride component. And like, I know like exercise for me is a great outlet for like aggression and all these things. And it's like, so if I can lift the weight, I want to lift the weight. And I know actually it's, a, it's a great little kind of metaphor, whatever you want to call it. It's like for years that really held me back because oftentimes to make progress in many of the lifts or the other things I do, it's about not like crushing yourself to dust in the gym which i love to do i love to just like beat myself into complete like you know smithereens and feel just like i left it all out there in the gym but it's really counterproductive to do that because you like at least for me i really negatively impact my recovery my training the next day suffers my training the day after that might even suffer as well so it's like i really make a lot of a lot more progress like if i keep my training volume like under 90% of my max and I stopped the session probably at like 90% of what I could do. Like I leave that 10% in the tank, both on the weight I'm using on the bar and in the reps and in the session length, right? It's like that last extra 10% that takes me to a hundred percent or even like 105% if you want to call it, it really does just like, it, it it's only going to add this much extra to your training adaptation or whatever, but it'll just bury me for a day or two but it is really hard to not do it because it's like, that's what you want to do. You want to feel like you just left it
1: all out there. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I had, I had a couple of things that really helped me along the way. I had uh, my old crew chief um, in 2018, (laughs) his name was Randy Cox. He was uh, a former um, army ranger and he was like big weightlifting guy and did kickboxing and a bunch of stuff, but very athletic. uh, And he, He helped explain to me, you know, he's just like, hey, it's like if you cut your hand, if you if you just have a little micro tear or a paper cut or whatever, you just have a little minor tear, it'll grow back repair and then bam, you can, you know, you're good to go. It's like if you just obliterate and mutilate your hand and it's ripped open to shreds, it takes forever to recover and you just did more damage than than harm in a certain sense to where now you're having to wait till you can even, you know, walk <laughs> to do your yeah. next workout or leg like day or whatever it is. And then um, back in, I forget what year it was. I think it was around, uh, I think it was 2017, maybe. Uh, I had 17, it might've been 18, somewhere around that, that time timeframe. Um, I had, I was doing front squats and I decided, you know, so I'm, I'm usually racing has been a, a saving grace to me where it's kept me a little bit more. Uh, safe in the gym compared to doing what, you know, me would want to do as be like, oh, I can do more. I got this. It's, it's kind of kept me from that. But in this one instance, this one day it didn't, I was like, Oh, I think I can slap a few more pounds on there. And I don't know what I was doing for weight or like 300 or so Who the heck knows But I'm trying to do. a. Uh, we were doing a single rep uh, max front squat and I went down to the bottom, went to come up and I heard and felt like a pop in my left hip flexor. and uh, And I tore it. And it hurt. And, and, and actually in the moment, I didn't really, I was like, oh man, that felt a little awkward. And then obviously after that, I paid the penalty for the next matter of, oh man, more than weeks, just months. And, and it, it petrified me in a good way where it backed me down just that one instance. I was like, Nope, no more. Not even gonna try. If I think that I have more in the tank, then that's good. I'll just leave it in the mental <laughs> in, the, in the mental <laughs> notes. Um, and, and man, you know a lot for me it took getting older and learning the hard way some in certain instances and i'm looking back just very thankful for racing and my career making sure that i've always kind of that's probably saved me more than anything from because i just knew in the back of my head well racing comes first i can't hurt myself but um but as i've gotten older and kind of learned from people that are much smarter than me uh just training in a smart manner not always obliterating myself just training smart and having that mentality i'll never forget what my crew chief said that mentality of just chipping away at it little micro tear and rebuild and just always making little progress and and if i'm back squatting i don't if sure if i have another rep or two in the tank maybe uh, but my form might suffer a little but i think i can stand it up no it's just not worth it it doesn't yeah. matter i'm not gaining anything from that and, and watching even um you know some of these people that train like professional strongmen, like Martins, and, and, you know, I follow Eddie Hall and Thor and some of these guys. And I watch some of their training when they're lifting and, and I'm like, Oh, what the heck? Why did he it? He had, he had a couple more in the tank, you know, <laughs> but ultimately I'm like, hang on, maybe there's something to what these guys are doing. Maybe they don't, they don't train as, as stupid as we think you know, maybe they're pretty methodical, um, and they have a very well thought out, laid out plan by professionals of how to get to these crazy high goals that they're getting to. So anyways, that's the long winded way of saying I'm appreciative for, um, especially as I've gotten older for really focusing on taking care of my body and training in a, a smart manner.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and really like I've, I've had some similar experiences, um, with, with other like people that were mentors or, um, you know, people I've sat down with to talk like this. And, um, like, really, if you think about it, right, your ability to make progress is kind of like the training volume you can incur and then the ability to recover from it. And it's like I, I remember I was talking with a, a professional rock climber that lives here in Las Vegas, and he's probably one of the best rock climbers that's ever lived, and definitely one of the best in the country. Um, and I was like, "What's your biggest advice for like getting better?" And he's like, "Don't get hurt." Yeah. <laughs> he's like, <"That's laughs> it. He's like, "Don't get hurt, man," because like because you, if you're hurt for a month or two, it's like it sets you way back. And it really is like if you can make so much progress in a year, right? And you have a catastrophic injury to where now you can't train for a month or two months or even three months. Like not only have you taken away twenty five percent of the time you'd be training from the year, which is a big deal, right? But you also have to rebuild once you've gotten better. So it's more like half of the year is gone. Half of the year of training is gone now. And like you're spending a quarter of the year just healing and then a quarter of the year rebuilding your baseline to get back to where you could have been if you hadn't gotten hurt in the first place. And now sometimes you get injured and you can't happen. Like it happens, right? It's like accidents happen, things you didn't foresee happen. Like sometimes it's unavoidable. But when you do it to yourself because you were being stupid, that's when it's really a bummer. And that's the, those are the ones you want to avoid at all costs. Like when you, like, like you said, when you know, you're like, I should stop. I should stop right now. But that little like demons in your head, like you've got three more, man. you can do it. And you're like, no, I should stop. I'm like fatigued. My form's gone to crap. And that little thing is like, mm like grind it out. But you need to stop right? because it's like, that's when like everyone I've talked to that's had like a bad injury, barring like the freak stuff, you know what I mean? It's always when. Like they know they should stop, right? Like it's the end of the day, it's the end of the session. They're they, they're like cold, they're not warmed up, and that's when things break. And it's like they everyone had that little voice that was like, mm, maybe you shouldn't have done that, or like maybe you should stop now. But they just push it a little bit too far, and then things blow up, and then you know they're not working out for three months because they're healing a torn muscle or something. Um, yeah. And, and so, I mean, sometimes you legitimately don't don't see it coming. Like I had something similar happen with my hip. I was doing like this really aggressive movement. And I was rushed that day, so I didn't do my normal warm-up, again, like a dummy. And I had this, like, really kind of, like, flexibility-intensive hip movement. And, like, something in my outer hip just popped. And, like, it kind of felt fine. It didn't feel that bad. I dropped off. I was like, that was weird. It felt a little sore. I finished my workout. Um But, again, I woke up the next day, and I, like, I couldn't barely walk on my right leg. And I luckily I have a good buddy who's a PT here in Vegas. So I went to him, and he got me doing, like, basically old man rehab where I was, like, doing very – you know, rudimentary assisted movements, isolating that leg. And I, I got it healed within like six weeks and it was, it was fine. And luckily it was just the one leg. So I was able to still kind of train around it. And it wasn't the, it wasn't the end of the world, but it's like, I know that I didn't have time to warm up properly. That leg wasn't warm. It wasn't stretched out how it needed to be to do the movement. I should have just skipped it. I was rushed. I still wanted to get training and I should have just skipped that movement that day and it would have been fun, but you know, just being not, you know, not listening to the smarter part of me and uh, getting injured. So, so yeah, it really is. Like, you just got to be intelligent about it. And, like like you said, kind of fortunately for you, you do have that greater thing keeping you dialed back in the sense that you're like, I got to be healthy. I got to race. My body's got to be functioning. So if there's any question, like, I definitely know that this over here, the racing is the priority to kind of, like, keep me in check.
1: Oh, man, 100%. I'm, uh, I'm thankful. Racing has, has been my saving grace because I, uh, I know I probably would have injured myself multiple times because i was so guilty of that mindset of like i know i got more but then luckily it would be the battle of that voice in my head that's like you got more but it's like yeah but this is your whole career so don't hurt yourself because you can't drive the dang car if you don't and it'll and you know missing one race um can can ruin our entire race season you know for for us you miss one race you can that can be mean missing the playoffs you know just because you sacrificed a race worth of points from the driver point side and stuff. So ultimately I am really thankful uh, that I've had racing to keep uh, probably the the testosterone man side of me in check just a little bit as I've been weightlifting uh, throughout the years and still made plenty of mistakes along the way, but learn from, you know, learn from them and learn from people that are, you know, much more intelligent uh, in that realm than I am. and have been fortunate to, you know, kind of dial it in over the years and now, now feel like I have a, you know, just a good structure and, and, you know, it um, c- controversial in the workout world a little bit, you know, I, when I, I went into CrossFit, um, obviously you mentioned CrossFit and you get such mixed reactions. I've been kind of on both sides of these things. And, um, it, but I'm glad that I did it for a little while. Cause it really taught me a lot. Cause you, all you hear about is just everyone going to CrossFit and getting hurt. Uh, and then when I got to just understand, I wanted to just, you know, know what that whole realm of, fitness was about and what all the hype was about and wanted to learn, you know, I, I kind of started becoming just more open-minded where I just wanted to know more about different forms of training, whether it's, you know, I love watching the, you know, world's strong men. Uh, I enjoy that. I, I love watching powerlifting, um, you know, whether it's CrossFit. I appreciate any forms of just fitness, scenario, even if it's something I'm not interested in, like long distance biking or whatever. I don't, I don't have any interest in it, but I appreciate them all more, but uh, CrossFit, doing that kind of helped me to understand that oh it's not really the necessarily the um the workouts in some instances in a lot of instances it's more just the, the mindset of like go until you're laying on the floor and puking you know and, it's, and that's kind of where where uh we we can get in trouble easy so luckily i i did crossfit um but my you know kind of some of my prior experiences or failures or that one injury, um, especially with my hip flexor, those things really just kept me grounded to where I did it. And I'd go in and I just had to swallow all my pride and be like, oh, you know what? looks like the, uh, the women's weight was going to be appropriate for me today. <laughs> and it's hard to swallow that pride and be like, I'm probably going to be better, get a more functional workout doing that. And I had to separate uh, that. Like I had to treat it a little more like cardio and treat my muscle hypertrophy and weightlifting as my, what I call my bro stuff. So I kept the physique and, and looks and, and also anyways, kind of, you know, through experiencing some different, uh, types of fitness over the years, it's, it's kind of given me a good balance.
0: Yeah, no. And I, I love CrossFit. I had, a st- I did it for a number of years and I, I don't need more. Uh, but like, I think it's awesome. But in many respects, right, like CrossFit itself, like the wads are the game, right? Like that's like that's like the game day. It's like the race, it's the football game, it's whatever analogy you want to make, but that's the game. It but the equivalent would be like if a wide receiver just played football games to train for being a wide receiver, right? Like playing the actual football game has a really high risk of injury. They're not they're not, you know, you're not doing it very long, you're not doing it that often. And but there's a lot of training behind the scenes that prepares you for the game. And that's really if you wanted to excel at CrossFit how i would think about it right like like you're saying like i know i want to be good at crossfit so if i need to do my metcons to be able to like handle the volume but that i would do that at a much lighter weight than i'm capable of handling that way i can just focus on like you said going all out but i know the weight's not heavy enough to hurt me so like if i bury myself in terms of like you know metabolic conditioning who cares right like i'm, I'm at like 60 of my max it's not going to be a big deal or whatever whatever percentage you need and then to get stronger, I do my controlled, rested weightlifting. Yep. That way I can progress both at the same time. But the problem is to make the classes, like everyone can come and do their thing and they don't have to do like training on the side. People basically just like put as much weight as they can on the bar and then go all out and then they, you know, blow into pieces because uh, that's what happens when you're going all out all the time. And like really like what would what the, the intelligent way to do it would be to kind of separate it. And then pick and choose, like, do you actually want to compete and see what you're capable of? All right. Today is game day. So now's the time where you are going to load up the bar and really go for it. You've prepared for this. Let's see what you're capable of. But you can't be doing that every day, five days a week, six days a week, whatever. That's just going to crush you in the dust, you know?
1: Oh, yeah. And those and man, those CrossFit Games athletes like Matt Frazier and Noah Olson and... All these people. Oh my gosh! The, the amount of training that goes into what they do is far far beyond going in and you know obviously doing an hour of of your you know metcon and maybe a little weightlifting. Yeah. And, and you're out of there. I mean, their their training routine and regimen is just absolutely unbelievable. Um, I would never be able to come close to doing what they do. But but yeah, and you can even look at those guys. I tell people, I'm like, well, look at them. I can see. I know that they do like isolated. You know. Uh, exercises as well. I know they do bench press and, you know, like isolate bicep curls and they do like the, you know, working on the little stabilizer muscles and working on their rear delts and rotator. They're they're doing some of the, you know, they're doing a lot of that stuff mixed in with their um, programming one, because their physique wouldn't look that way by just straight up doing a, doing wads, you know, like that's some, they, they, they train incredibly um, intentional what they do. So I guess, I guess the moral of the story is anything at a professional level just takes an absolute absurd amount (laughs) of of effort, uh, time and and focus on on what we we do, that's for sure. But but anyway, we kind of, I just have a passion for, I've always had a passion for, of course, racing. Um, And as you can tell, I can get off on a tangent talking about uh, fitness stuff because I just love it and enjoy it. And I had a period of time. Um, where we were moving and we were busy and we had so much going on. We were, I mean, moving was the biggest part and I didn't really work out much, maybe a day or two a week, you know, just not much um, because we were so busy. And man, that was probably uh, one of the biggest eye openers for me because it, it really started deteriorating (laughs) some of my daily mental health because my, my regimen was all screwed up and I wasn't having that, daily thing. in that just was like, kind of kept me grounded and that I enjoyed and felt like I'm making progress and feeling good and looking good and all that. And man, um, that really made me probably take it for, uh, not, not so much, not take it for granted, um, as, as much as I used to, and just appreciating the ability that I, that God gives me the health to be able to do it and stuff. Cause man, it's, uh, it's, it's for some people, you know, it's so important to our, our lives and our Health and our structure. And that was a that was a big eye opener for me.
0: Yeah, I can relate completely. Like I've had periods of time where business and other things have stacked up to be so busy that like like you mentioned, maybe I'd only get two workouts in a week. Um it's it's probably been more than a decade where I've gone like a full week without working out, unless I was like traveling on vacation or something. But then I'm usually doing something active enough to at least like kind of like get my um, energy out. But I would agree completely. Like if I don't if I fall out of my workout routines. I start to kind of like, in many respects, just like not like my life very much. Like I Mm -hmm. I, I love my family and everything, but it's like, I'm like, this is not how I want to live. Like, I like to do my workouts every day. It's, like, probably the thing I look forward most to in terms of what I'm doing as an individual on any given day. And, like, you were talking about earlier about um, how, you know, people are, are meant for more than just, like, working nine to five or whatever. And, like, I would I would echo the same thing. Like, I think the best thing anyway, and maybe not everyone's the same or you as me. Maybe there's people out there that generally don't work like working out. I would guess that if most people, like, took the time to, like, get over that initial curve of being like really out of shape to where it just sucks because you're just not capable at all and got to a place where their body was capable of like hard effort that everyone would like it i think that people are built for it i just you know I think it's it's hard to kind of deny that if you look at you know biology and how all other mammals function like you're made for hard physical work it's how you're made um but the if, if i were to list my priorities in life it'd probably be like family faith fitness and then everything else is coming after that like work everything like Work is a necessity. I do it. I enjoy it, but I definitely like fitness and working out more. And it's it's highest in terms of priorities that are within myself. You know what I mean? Like faith and families outside of myself. That's stuff that's like both like rewarding on an existential level, and it's partially like my duty and my obligation. I I feel compelled to to be there. But the things that, in terms of things that I do just for myself, like like work, is so far below these other things it's like i would do anything like having been to a place where i'm only working out once or twice a week i would do anything to not have that be the case even if it meant changing my career changing the business like i have to do it it's just something i have to do or like you said my mental health goes to crap i don't like what i'm doing i don't like myself i don't like the way my days are taking shape and life kind of turns into this big meaningless blur that i just hate you know what i mean
1: yep 100 percent i've had to be in that spot where i was like you know what I'm putting off meetings and whatever. I don't care. I'm working out. And this is a part of my day that I am not willing to give up and I'm not going to ever again, because I do that. And then you start realizing that I start getting grumpy. And then you start, then it's like, man, my clothes aren't fitting like they were. I'm starting to lose a little, or you don't, you slack off on your eating game or whatever it is. And then it just deteriorates. Your mental health starts affecting your days. Then it affects your work. And meetings and everything that falls underneath it so yeah like yeah. you, like you said I've been... and the stuff
0: above it right like in impact oh, yeah. the way you you interact with your family and all sorts of other people all sorts of stuff
1: yeah oh man even in, in everything in my in my faith my walk with the lord everything it's like it it's all that discipline falls underneath it because if i'm grumpy because of one piece of my life that's really important that i'm neglecting then it affects every single thing outwardly you know on top of that so i'm I'm thankful man to uh to have like minded folks like yourself and kind of our uh and you know to have that that piece of of stuff being you know a big part of my life and 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 enjoying it you know it's i I think it's easy for what i I see a lot and i understand is um you know in this world we live in oftentimes we can be focused so much outward on what other people think and things like that or easy for that, that enemy we're fighting to kind of want to get in our head and want us to think that, um, that, oh man, I'm, or feel, you know, like down on ourselves or, oh my gosh, I'm so weak or I'm just starting and I'm so out of shape. I can barely even be on the rower for one minute or whatever it is. Um, but when we, one, either get, get through that part of it, but, but two, just, um, over the years, I've, I've, as especially, you know, God's really (laughs) helped me and, in enjoying and appreciating things and having the right mindset on stuff. It's like now when we have the mindset of just how, how encouraging it is to our lives and how much, you know, um, chipping away at it is going to bring us, you know, success and, uh, being better and feeling better and making every part of our life better and not worrying about, you know, outward stuff, but appreciating the whether wherever we start, just starting somewhere and moving on from there. It's, um, uh, when we have the right mindset toward it, it's, uh, um, I mean, I've been guilty of it when I, if I lose a little strength or whatever, it's easy to get down, but it's like, Nope, let's just chip away at it and get a little bit better and a little better and enjoy the process. You know, when you just enjoy yeah. the process. Um, and, and for me, it's hard for me, I, I'm an impatient person. So trying to have patience and enjoying the process and enjoying just the health and ability to do those things it, it really, you know, it turns into a, a blessing and it's like it, it rejuvenates your day or breaks up your day or starts your day off. Right. Depending on when you work out, I'm not, I'm not much of a first thing in the morning guy, but, <laughs> but no, I enjoy it.
0: Yeah, no. And, and really it's like, I think that knowing what's important to you and where those priorities lie also kind of gives you the framework you need to be able to structure the other areas of your life, like say, no, when you need to, or be happy with a certain amount of progress somewhere else. Right. Cause like, you know, take barbell apparel the business for example. Like, there is always more work to be done. I could work twenty hours a day, every day, forever, and they're probably I probably would never run out of work. But at a certain point, I have to be I have to just say like, this is enough for today. I'll just do the rest tomorrow, and maybe that will go on for infinity, and it's fine. But like, you have to have a stopping point and say like, I'm done with this priority for the day. These other things are important in my life. I have to get them done and go do your workout or go spend time with family or whatever it is. And I think that, like, we could probably finish the conversation with maybe just a little bit of your perspective on, like, you know, how you went through your life. You came into racing. You reached the pinnacle of your career, the NASCAR Cup Series, like an achievement many people probably can't even relate to. I mean, be like, I, don't, I can't even think of an example, right, like getting into Harvard if only 20 people were allowed to get into Harvard or something, you know what I mean? But it's like... And, and really, like, you kind of reached all your dreams, and I know in talking with you and your story of how you, um, you know, faith changed life and stuff, That like, like I'm sure it was an amazing achievement, but at the end of the day, there are other things in life that matter more, right?
1: Yeah, you know, the without diving too, too deep into it, um, yeah, I mean, my racing journey and getting to the top and being in that position and all really, really saved my life and changed my life in ways that I did not expect whatsoever because, you know, you're young, when I'm young, you know, you're just like, I want to drive race cars and I want to have, you know, be famous or whatever it may be um, that we desire of this world. And sometimes when you get there, um, it actually puts things in perspective because things can often look, I'm going to say this with a balance. Some things can often look um, more glamorous from the outside looking in without you know, seeing all the hard work or the frustrations or the heartaches or the hard work or the struggles and the trials and all the things that go along with it, just like with with anything that we, you know, work for in mean, life in general. But for me, you know, I'm, I, I got to this point where I was feeling, you know, you feel kind of, in a sense, you know, on top of the world, like, oh, man, I'm here, like, holy smokes, I'm driving against Dale Jr. and Tony Stewart and all these guys when I first you know, came into the Cup Series, but uh, ultimately, you know, in uh, 2020 was when, you know, there was a lot of, like, personal struggles in my life that were um, that were really happening and bearing down on me and, you know, some family struggles and things with my wife and I and all these things, you name it, or from the outside looking in, it let me, you know, my life looked perfect. Um, it's like, oh, Matt drives a Lamborghini and he has cool cars and a big house and, Stuff like that, but um, but ultimately, I was actually the most broken um, that I had been in my life. Just being totally honest, but uh, fast-forwarding to this day, um, it led me into opening my heart to things I hadn't in the past, and it led me to open it up to to God and His story um, with a sense of humility and not a sense of pride, and just coming to understand, wanting to know some of the greater uh, the greater purpose in life beyond the temporary. Um, and ultimately, like, what are we doing here? Uh, what's the point of all this? There's got to be more to life than all the just the struggles and pain and the end of our story being that we just turn to dust and kind of ignoring this whole, you know, some of the stuff that we battle daily on a temporary basis. And and anyways, fast forward to today. Yeah, I am i couldn't be happier and more thankful that uh, some of the, the biggest struggles um, in my life actually led to the being the biggest saving grace in my life to where now, you know, just uh, quick summarizing from that point to today, you know, I appreciate my job so much more. I appreciate what I do. I love what I do wherever I'm meant to be Um, whether it's racing in trucks or racing in the cup series or or whatever it is. I just um, appreciate the journey a lot more and understanding uh, the big picture in life, Um, you know, holding God here and everything else underneath it. Um, and like we talked about with priorities in life, just, I really had to work on reprioritizing things in my life and I put things in perspective and um yeah, I go, go through, uh go through my daily life now with a, a piece that I didn't even know existed and a joy that I didn't even know existed and all those things just from, you know, priori- priorities. And I guess, you know, maybe some of it's getting older and, and when you start thinking about having kids and uh, when life gets a little more real along the way, you start asking a little bit bigger questions and then bigger questions are the best thing in the world to ever ask uh, with a sense of humility behind it. Cause it, it definitely has blessed my life far beyond what I deserve.
0: Yeah. What an amazing story. And it's, you know, great to hear that perspective. And I think that it's, it's cool to hear, People from different places and different careers, different paths, kind of like reaching similar conclusions, right? And it's kind of like you know, I I think the the key takeaway is that like whatever it is you're pursuing, like you really do have to kind of like take everything in stride and really learn to enjoy the process because you never know like what what's going to take shape or where you're going to end up. And oftentimes, like like you said, like from the outside looking in, you look right. You had the Lamborghini, you had the house, you had you're racing the Cup Series. It looked amazing. But oftentimes you you don 't know what 's going on behind the scenes, and it, like when you get there it 's not as glamorous as anyone would think. Right. Like I, you know, I've interviewed MLB pitchers and stuff and you think, Oh, they play baseball for a living. That seems so awesome. That that job is so friggin' hard. (laughs) You know what I mean? They play like 200 games a year and then they're training in the off season and they're traveling in between the games. It'd be brutal. It's a brutal job. It's, and and, like if you love it, you love it and it's awesome, but it's like nothing is as glamorous as, as it seems like it would be. And and definitely nothing is as easy as it seems like it would be. And so like if you can't learn to have your priorities straight and to enjoy the journey and enjoy the process and kind of like be happy with where you're at on a day-to-day basis, then you're going to be miserable no matter what. So that's really kind of what you have to structure your training or your career aspirations or whatever it may be to achieve and to reach a place like where you wake up every day, you're like, man, I, I love this. I get to like today, I woke up, I, I took care of my kids for a little bit, I worked out, I did some work that I had to do in, in the gap in between. Now I'm chatting with you. After this, I'm going to go do some, uh, you know, more work and then I'll do another like training session in the evening and then I'll hang out with my family again. It's an awesome day. I can do that every day until I die and be totally happy. Right. <laughs> but it's like, you got to figure out what it is that you enjoy and also not always be waiting for, for some achievement that you want to achieve and think like, that'll be the thing that'll be the thing that makes me happy because it won't be right it's, it's not like it, once you get there like you said it's just like anything else the human the human mind is so capable of, of adapting kind of like you mentioned the big house right or the lamborghini like i'm sure when you first buy it, you're like this is awesome maybe for a week maybe for a month but eventually it's just your car and eventually it's just your house yeah and it's like i never i never walk through this house and think like oh what a What a nice kitchen. Like, it is a nice kitchen. It's a great kitchen. And I will say, like, if I leave for, like, if I'm gone for an extended period of time, like two months, something, and I walk back into my front door, I'm like, oh, that is a really nice kitchen. But, like, when you're living in it, you don't even think about it anymore. And if I had to go back to the house that I first lived in when I got married, it was like a, you know three bedroom 1100 square foot tiny thing that was the only thing my wife and i could afford thankfully we could afford a house back then but the mortgage was cheaper than rent on an apartment would have been so like crazy times right um but like you get used to that too and it would be fine if you had the important things that mattered you know what i mean and so it's just like it's fun to have conversations with people like you that have uh, kind of like achieved the pinnacle of dream in the career and and see that that perspective is still echoed when you've Learned the appropriate lessons and come to a place where I would, where I would say that you have a very healthy and well rounded perspective on life.
1: So. Yeah, man, that's that's for darn sure. And and I uh, coming to you know, not trying to preach or, or talk too much like scripture and all that. But for me, just personally, my journey, um, you know, in the book Proverbs, it's the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And um, coming to understand for me uh, uh, was I kept saying, I'm like, man, if life's about me, this is this is a pretty kind of empty, cause all it just ends up being like, Oh when I get this, I'll be happy. And then you get it, and then you're like, oh man, it's just temporary. And then it's like, well, when I get this Lamborghini, then I'll be happy. And then it's like, oh man, that was temporary too. <laughs> it's like then got me to start viewing life as temporary. It's like, oh, it is temporary. And it's like life has to be about more than just me and then when i realized life is about a lot more than me and it's way bigger than me and that's a good thing you know not a bad thing so yeah that's uh man it's cool stuff i enjoy being able to bounce some of this stuff back and forth and talk uh, it's just amazing how everything is um stuff like working out racing whatever it is whatever we do for a living it's all it's all um it's all relative and no um and you know and and another thing just to finish on all that is like, I'm really thankful that I've been taught through this, like being, you know, coming up journey all the way to the racing and, you know, top of NASCAR and driving for one of the most famous teams. I was driving for the Wood Brothers, you know, one of the most legendary teams in NASCAR and all that. Um, and now being very, you know, have, having been, had had an interesting couple of years and being grounded a lot. Um, it's neat that I'm I'm thankful to be able to share with people and, and see, view that there is no there is absolutely no one person that's you know role in life is more important or less important than another um it doesn't matter if you're uh you know like i i use my friend that's a a car salesman he um you know he's a he's a very you know grounded man in his faith and everything and he sells cars and each car he like programs to a particular uh, radio station that's like a you know, some, some Christian music or whatever. And he just, it just, he tries to do just a couple little things that just maybe drop a little seed and, and that's it without overstepping his boundaries with respect to the corporate world and everything, of course. But I always think about that. I'm like, man, you know, something like that, that may, people may just overlook and think is just like, Oh, whatever that, that could have planted thousands of seeds, you know, over the course of, of years, you know, or whether it's somebody that just is, you know um it doesn't matter what role it is if you work in a school and you affect kids in a certain way or you you know positively influence them and that's what you do every day of your life you know like god's using us all for good no matter what uh, no matter what it is and no no one thing no one person is better or greater than another and it's often easy in this world to look from the outside in and maybe think that someone's got it made or their life is so much better than mine or and and that's a trap that I would say that I've fallen in and we can all easily fall into and, and I'm thankful to to have a greater perspective on that now and to, to maybe share with people and to share with younger people and stuff like don't fall into that trap, like, you know, life's much bigger than someone's temporary stuff and and but also with just appreciating the, the things that we do get to do in this temporary time here more.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, like. I I guess the last thought I'll, I'll leave it with too is I've often had this conversation with other people too. It's like the social media has plenty of dark sides and and, you know, things it's, um, you you like, you have to be careful with how it affects your mind, all that stuff. But the upside of it is that you do get kind of like a deeper look into some people's lives that like, right? If you were to look at celebrities 40 years ago, their lives would have just looked perfect because you would have just seen the snapshots. But because of social media, like you really can see into some of these people's lives, some of these people's lives that like historically people would have felt like, oh, they have it so easy. They must be so happy. Their life must be so great. And you can see that truthfully it's not. And like many times they might be more miserable than your average person, right? Like the demands, the pressure, the lack of satisfaction, whatever it may be. It's like it's not coming from those things. It's got to come from something else. And so no, it's, I, I agree with you completely, man. It's been a, it's been a great conversation. And I do think that, um, It'll be it'll be fun to, to have people listen to it and get your perspective on fitness, a career, all of it, man. So appreciate you sit, sitting down with us today. Um, best of luck in the remainder of your uh, season, man. And we look forward to, to staying in tune with uh, your races and see what you do. But man, it's been a it's been great connecting with you again. I'm excited to actually have this conversation recorded and uploaded so that people can get to know you a little bit better. So thanks again, man.
1: That's right. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it, dude.